Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast here, and thank you, as always, for joining me. We've uh, we've actually got some news to cover on this one. I know last week, uh, it seemed like we were in a little bit of a lull. We had that debt ceiling deal figured out. We had uh, some of the different talk from the Fed about the, uh, the next rate cycle, and uh, really what their plans were going forward. We kind of solved some of that. So it seemed like, a, and also it was a blackout period. They couldn't talk about what they were going to do with uh, the rates this past week as well. So yeah, we've we've definitely gotten through a lot of that, but now we've got some other things that are kind of coming up that uh, we need to talk about. So thank you guys for being here, and uh, let's uh, let's dive right in. So first up, we are officially in a new bull market. Now that means coming up off of the lows, twenty uh, percent higher. So that uh, actually happened in the S and P, I believe, on Thursday. And then on uh, on Friday, we were able to close up another five points, which is about a tenth of a percent. Nothing crazy, but uh, continues that trend of moving higher. Now, I think roughly back in February, we were talking about the uh, the golden cross of the uh, the moving averages in the indexes. So basically, what that means is uh, you can take an average of the closing prices of the S and P. Uh, and kind of make a smoother line than some of the mountains and peaks and valleys that we see on a simple day-to-day uh, -day chart, right? So it's going to take the highs and lows and, and average them out. So what I've got here on my on my screen, uh, you guys can can go on your broker and and put in a simple moving average. I put in a 50-day moving average and a 200-day moving average. Now, uh, obviously, the 200-day is going to look at a longer time period and average out those highs and lows. And uh, the the fifty day is going to be uh, a smaller margin of the past fifty days, and those are going to be a little bit quicker to move, right? So uh, when we see that fifty day go uh, through the uh, the two hundred day to the downside, that is called a death cross. That means the short term momentum is moving lower uh, faster than what that uh, that two hundred day can support. So it's generally a bearish sign in the market. And uh, I'm sure if I zoom out on this, I'm looking at the one year, uh, we can see in the beginning of 22, probably roughly around uh, around March. I can't get a, a time on this one. Uh, yeah, March 15th. Uh, that means that uh, you know the market is due to fall more. So we saw that through 2022 uh, in the S&P and a lot of these growth names, uh, a lot of the names that are rallying now to bring this average back up higher, we're falling at that point in time. So we saw that it's called the death cross. The 50 day moves under the 200 day moving average. Now, back in February, uh, we were talking about this and I said, hey, we've got a golden cross. That means the 50 day is now retracing higher than what that 200 uh, day simple moving average is showing. That is a bear, uh, a bullish sign that uh, things are going to continue to get better. Now, you can do these uh, these crosses with uh, different windows. Uh, you can do it with or different parameters with uh, a 20 day to the 50 day, but uh, sometimes you'll get a lot more false positives of, hey, yeah, the, the market's just being real, real wacky right now. 
and um, you're going to get more of these uh, these short term blips. Yes, it it can be a an earlier precursor to show you that the market is going to move higher, but uh, oftentimes it's simply just too small of a window to really see what's happening there. So uh, when I saw this in February, I think I told you guys, hey, this is a good sign. Uh, it looks like a bullish type of uh, situation is setting up here. And uh, since that time in February, we have come up uh, from probably the lows. I'm going to shoot to say they were probably in October. Uh, we've moved up 20% higher on the S&P. So thankfully, we've got uh, we've got some good news to report there, right? It's uh, It's been a long time coming. Uh, but again, if we would have watched this, uh, this simple move and the simple moving averages back in February, we would have known that, hey, uh, you know, if history repeats itself, we're going to be moving to the upside from here. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but it's uh, more often than not that uh, when we do see that uh, that average move higher, it is going to be a good sign for us bulls, our long-term investments uh, in the market. So uh, just kind of wanted to point that out, refresh our memory as to what these crosses mean and ultimately what that shows for the market. So uh, as I said, I've said this a couple of times now, right? The, the market run has really been, you know, very NASDAQ based, very, very narrow as to what uh, stocks are really moving higher. And, uh, you know, we've had Apple, Netflix, uh, NVIDIA, Facebook, uh, or Meta, Tesla, all, all these names that have had these, uh, you know, massive 100% plus runs in, uh, in basically since the start of the year. So um, I would like to see that kind of branch out. But uh, you'll notice that in the uh, investing challenge, I really haven't been looking at these big names uh, for quite some time now, right? I've been looking at um, other names that are kind of still undervalued or haven't really taken uh, a lot of this rally in themselves. But uh, instead, you know, it's been those those main six, eight names that have really had a lot of that benefit going forward at least for the heavier weighted names in the S&P. Yes, there's definitely been smaller companies that have rallied as well. But uh, some of these other large cap names really haven't moved as much. So uh, I've definitely been looking in other places to try to find some value, try to find some things that uh, might not get us burned so much, like buying NVIDIA after a 150-point run. Uh, man, I, I have a hard time doing that. So I try to find some safety by buying value, by buying things that... Uh, haven't really participated in the rally thus far. So uh, there, there is some news out of some of these names that are bull names. And uh, I guess first up, let's talk about Tesla. Um, Tesla, you know, we talked about the fact that they were uh, opening up their charging network to Ford. Uh, and I think that was about 12,000 to 14,000 chargers for Ford. And then they came out uh, on Thursday, I believe, might have been Friday. And uh, open that same deal or similar deal up to GM. So now we've got uh, Ford and GM looking to uh, ultimately charge on that Tesla charging network. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how the interface is going to work because on a Tesla, uh, I'm guessing you're going to have to download the Tesla app for your Ford and GM vehicle uh, to basically be able to pay because there is no pay uh, uh, point of sale device at the chargers for Teslas. So you would just automatically plug in through the app. It knows it's you and you would get the bill. Right. So now uh, Tesla will be benefiting off of this by charging more for uh, non-Tesla vehicles to charge at these uh, uh, charging stations. 
But uh, there's a lot of different things here that are going on. Yes, it's going to uh, kind of slow down the, uh, maybe not slow down is the right word. It's going to congest the charging network. We're going to have more people on these chargers. And uh, ultimately, uh, I think that build out is going to be uh, pretty much amplified. I think we're going to get more charging stations uh, at different areas throughout the U.S. at least. Uh, and then ultimately, we'll see how much of a uh, control or chokehold that Tesla is going to have on this uh, this market share of charging. I think it's certainly going to be uh, a good thing on the on the corporate side, on the business side for Tesla to open it up and charge more and really become almost a utility company as well. Uh, I've heard that argument forever that you know Tesla is no more than a, a automotive uh, automotive company that they, they make vehicles. And to price them other than that is simply absurd. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got the uh, the Tesla bulls that say, oh, no, we're, we're leading in charging. We're leading in uh, autonomous. We're leading in, you know, pick pick a different lane. And they were there, right? So uh, I still think that uh, we've got a long way to go to know if this is going to be a uh, Blu-ray to HD DVD, you know, which one's going to win the race. But uh, I feel like the fact that more people are adopting the, the Tesla standard of charging, uh, we'll ultimately see what adapters are going to need to be used. Uh, it might be the CCS connectors that are going to have to be uh, integrated in order to use the Tesla plugs in order to charge a non-Tesla car. But uh, if it gets to the point where that Tesla style plug is standard in GM and Ford, uh, I think that race is pretty much over. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. It's still a long way to know what's going on. But uh, at the same time, other charging companies have really traded down on this news, right? Uh, just on Friday, ChargePoint came down 13.2%. Now, I think a lot of this, or the, the majority of this loss is on the fact that uh, Tesla took a step to basically, uh, you know, push them out more or less. So the, the fact that uh, Tesla is their, their main competition at this point, uh, ChargePoint had just gotten an upgrade from Bank of America, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago, saying that they're one of the best in the business to do it. And uh, ultimately, they, they rallied on some of this news. A lot of people were buying in. Uh, I'm already in ChargePoint as well. There's currently about 90% of upside. But then you take a look at uh, the fact that this is an evolving story. Tesla's coming in and trying to really go after that, uh, that charging side of the business now. And things start to look a little bit more bleak. So um, uh, I'm not saying not to buy this one. Uh, I think for a lot of people, the at-home uh, charge point chargers are still going to be high in demand. But uh, I think going forward, we might see a shift as to who's going to win this race uh, to really figure out who's going to have that, that charging network built in. So um, I, I guess pick your battles wisely. Um, you could buy a charge point if you want that, uh, that 90% upside. I know Tesla is, uh, right now considered overvalued based off of the, the last, um, 27 ranked analysts in the past three months are now saying that there's about 16% of downside on Tesla. And, uh, when you look at it a little bit closer, you'll see that the buy targets within the past week have all been. Uh, significantly higher. We've had uh, Wedbush come out at 300, CFRA at 300, Piper Sandler at 280, uh, Barclays says 220. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll ultimately see where this one goes. I still think this is a long-term hold for me. 
I'm not uh, selling any Tesla shares at this point based on this rally. Could it, you know, fill in that gap to the downside? I definitely think that it can, but uh, I'm fine with that. And if it goes back down, I'll continue to buy more. I don't think I'm averaging up right now, but uh, if it came back down sub 200, I'd be looking to purchase more of this one. Uh, I still think that the the growth story is still there. The margins are still there. And uh, the fact that they're now having Ford and GM pay them or Ford and GM customers pay them to use the networks. Uh, I think that's going to be a benefit in building out that Tesla network faster. So uh, the kind of a long winded thing here on Tesla. But um, yeah, so what else do we got? We've got um, Netflix. Netflix is rallying this week, too. And um I mean, this is really due to the crackdown on password sharing in the U.S., uh, really around the world. But I know that the U.S. really kind of kicked in this week or uh, in the past couple weeks here. And um, where the around the world, other customers have had that crackdown a couple months back. But um, so we've got uh, Tesla moving up about 2.6% just on Friday, about $10.65 higher. And uh, this one's kind of running up above where a lot of different analysts uh, thought this one was going to be as well. So when we look at uh, simply the one-year chart, uh, we'll see that back in you know last July, we were at 185. This one was kind of dead in the water. We couldn't get enough new customers. Uh, you know, building out the, uh, the all the content was very expensive. And uh, it just seemed like everyone was just like mowing through this content and there was just never enough. Uh, so that was just a continuous spend on new um, content. But now we've got uh, a case where we've got a lot of new people signing up for this uh, this, this service that have had their password uh, basically revoked. Uh, and uh, there's a company called Antenna. And they really track as to how many people are signing up for these different services. And uh, between May 25th and May 28th, uh, I don't have the actual number, but it says that more uh, people signed up in this four-day period than in any other period since 2019 when Antenna started tracking uh, new user growth. So uh, I think that trend is going to continue. There's something like uh, uh, Netflix says that there's a uh, 100 million people around the world that were watching using borrowed passwords. So if they are able to uh, capitalize on you know 50% of that and get 50 million new signups, uh, you know that's a lot of money a month coming in at their uh, what is it fourteen ninety nine now to uh, to really have this service. I know there's different platforms and you know the the ad uh, tier and all that, but uh, yeah, I mean that is a substantial amount of money coming in to offset a lot of those costs that they've been uh, kind of burdened with. And uh, I definitely think that that is going to send Netflix uh, probably continue to go higher after we get these numbers and see really what that means for their business. But uh, man, again, this is one that is going to be very, very tough for me to buy. It's very similar to the NVIDIA type story where NVIDIA sold off last year on the fact that crypto was slowing, mining was slowing, and not as many people were going to want some of this high-end technology. Well, that uh, fizzled out just like you know Netflix's um, uh, user growth kind of fizzled out. This is uh, really an amplified story. Similar to NVIDIA, everyone wanting everything to do with AI and all their chipsets right now. So uh, again, I mean, like I said, uh, Netflix was down in the the 160 range last June, and we're sitting at 420 now. Uh, I personally think that it's a little too hard to go ahead and buy this after the, the news has already come out. Uh, I think the time to buy it would have been late last year, early this uh, this year. 
and uh, ultimately you would have had a nice gain here. Um, but uh, again, this is not something where I'm I'm saying that uh, to rush out and buy this thing. I'm not buying either. But uh, I do think that the long-term trend of streaming and EVs is here to stay. And uh, I, I think that these are very strong businesses in their uh, respective areas. But uh, at the same time, I can't simply go out and buy them after a you know hundred plus point or hundred plus percent run in uh, that short amount of a time. So for me, I'm going to let these cool back down. Uh, ultimately, if you're in them, great. I know that uh, you are happy with the performance in you know all three of the above: Netflix, Nvidia, Tesla. They've all done really well. Now, uh, Meta or Facebook is trying to come out with some competition to Twitter. And they're kind of trying to release a new platform that is, uh, you know, Twitter esque, and uh, really, you know, give a, a run for the money for for that type of business as well. Uh, I think it's going to be based off the Instagram platform, and I'm, I'm not too sure about it yet. I forget uh, the the code name of what it was. I'm sure I can pull that up. Uh, yeah, Twitter competitor will look like at their company wide employee meeting. They you know they're showing off a preview of what it was going to be. Um, I know I had the name of it here. Project 92. There it was. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely other things that they're trying to come up with. Uh, Zuckerberg was trying to uh, compare the their headset versus the new Apple headset for AR, VR. And um, it sounds like the, the Apple one is kind of a, a better resolution, but uh, has a lot of limitations. And it's going to be priced at like $3,500, which is... Uh, I think a stretch. I mean, we already saw that people were shying away from the pro level uh, meta headset at uh, I think it was a thousand dollars. So I, I definitely am kind of curious as to where that goes. And the the resolution is so high, but uh, the battery life is so low that it almost needs to be plugged in for any type of uh, actual use on it. So plugged in and a battery pack. I'm not too sure how that works or why they would design it that way, but uh, that is currently the setup, and uh, the the price tag is. Uh, pretty, pretty hefty for a lot of people that were really reluctant to get into this AR VR stuff. So I'm not too sure that that's going to be a game changer for, for Apple. The amount of people that, uh, want to be into that uh, type of industry and also have that disposable income on a headset that's going to be priced at uh, 3,500 bucks is, is definitely steep, but, uh, Apple's, uh, definitely, you know, has, uh, had a massive run this year as well. We started uh, January around 125. We're sitting around 181 right now. So um, again, not something I'm rushing out to buy. I, I think that window has passed. Uh, I, that, I think at the beginning of the year, I, I know I was buying QQQ. I was kind of pushing a lot of these. Uh, uh, maybe that's not the right word. I was looking to buy a lot of these companies. I said that they were undervalued. We were looking at the PEs of a lot of the tech names saying, hey, they are well under even Pepsi. And uh, some of these old uh, blue chip companies that don't have the growth potential. And I thought they were way too cheap. So I know personally, I was looking to buy them then, but uh, not as much currently. And that's not to say that the the PE at Apple is way unreasonable. I still think it's, yeah, it's right around 30. It's still a little high for me to where they traditionally trade. So kind of look at these uh, historical metrics, look at what's coming up and uh, the fact that we still you know, could touch a recession. I'm, I'm not too sure what's going to happen there, but uh, I think it's just a little too much of a run too fast for me on a lot of these tech names to really say 
go ahead and purchase these, right? This does not look like something that I want to be in. Uh, I mean, I'm in them, but I don't want to be adding to. Uh, so definitely take a look at the, the historical values before you go ahead and purchase. Take a look at the charts and see what the, the charts say, whether or not you think it's too steep of a run too fast, if this can really continue, or if this thing's going to fizzle out and kind of you know end up somewhere in the middle before uh, making another run higher. But um, yeah, with uh, that being said, um, we still got a little bit of time. What did uh, Biden come out and say about um, they are looking to mandate about uh, airlines paying cash compensations for delays of three hours or more when carriers are responsible? So uh, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see where this goes to. Uh, man, I, I, I think that's another hit for airline companies. As uh, things are getting a little bit better for them, it seems like uh, you know those those delays and problems that they've been having with uh, you know pilots and flights and every bit of a labor side of that equation has uh, certainly been painful. And now, if they have to pay every uh, passenger for any delay over three hours, I, I think that is going to be another another uh, mountain for them to climb and try to get through some more of these problems that they have just been plagued with since. Uh, really the the start of the pandemic. So we'll ultimately see what happens there. Um, I did mention that Tesla has been on a run, but uh, they had their 11th consecutive green day, which uh, gets them to their previous record of uh, January from 21, I believe it is. And uh, ultimately, uh, again, a little bit too much too fast for me, but they are over a 750 billion market cap uh, for the first time since October of last year. And uh, what else we got? Anything else fun to cover? Uh, yeah, UBS uh, and the Swiss government signed an agreement this morning for the government to officially cover up to $10 billion in losses from its emergency takeover of Credit Suisse. So there is uh, some, some back-end uh, you know, protection from the, gov from the government, uh, the Swiss government, that is, to cover any kind of losses that are out there. So a little bit more protection for uh, banking consumers. So, man, there's a, a, a lot of different stuff going on out there. But ultimately, what I'm taking away from this is that the uh, the massive companies are on a incredible tear this year. Uh, they have certainly brought up the averages. We are seeing this new bull market form. And uh, a lot of that is just from a small group of names that have really rallied this market higher. And uh, maybe not everyone's participating yet in this rally. So I do think that there's some names out there that we should be looking at. Um, there's going to be some value names this week that, uh, I believe are going to interest you. So, uh, stick around for the names that I've got for our investing challenge for week, uh, 25. We're somewhere, somehow pretty much halfway through this year and next, uh, next week will be half halfway through. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to, uh, take a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about some stocks that I am eyeing up for this week. All right, guys, we are back here on the podcast and, uh, before I get started, I wanted to mention that there are some links in the description to help get you going. Uh, Crypto.com, Binance, Webull, and E-Trade. Uh, I've said it several times, but uh, if you're looking to get an account started, uh, Webull is a great place to do that. There's a lot of free fractional shares that are out there uh, for simply opening an account and depositing as little as a dollar. Um, E-Trade, that's where I do the majority of my investing. I, I like the platform over there. I think it's very easy for me to navigate. Uh, as far as uh, making several different accounts on there, uh, trying to figure out what your dividend income is going to be looking like. I'm, I'm definitely uh, looking at those dividends right now, trying to see 
um, you know, where I can up them, how I can get a little bit more each month and really get to the point where uh, these dividends are paying the majority of my bills uh, and covering my cost of living. And then, you know, everything else is icing on the cake at that point. But uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm really striving to get there. So um, that is a lot of the, the way that I plan to uh, be able to retire, uh, may, you know, still be active, still be doing stuff because I, I have to keep going. But uh, at the at the same time, know that uh, a lot of my costs are covered from simply having a, a portfolio that pays me in dividends and I can easily track it on E-Trade. But uh, that being said, if you've got some some real money questions, uh, if you want to have kind of that one-on-one -on -one chat with me, feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting some more coaching uh, out there, be able to help you guys figure out where some of your weak points are, uh, how to save a little bit more money and uh, ultimately be able to get you on the path to, uh, you know, hopefully have a, a, a better financial picture as to what's going on for you going forward. So if you need help, or uh, if you got a question, feel free to reach out uh, either through the uh, the Spotify link, or you can find us over there at uh, Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. And um, yeah, so what do we got for week 24? Um, I had five names. That is pretty typical around here. I know I started the year saying that we might have uh, some weeks where we only did three or four, but uh, that is yet to happen. Uh, somehow I find uh, a couple more names that I seem to think are going to make a lot of sense. Now, our week 24, we had uh, first up was Rio Tinto. Now that name is a mining company. So when I was looking at this one, uh, I thought to myself, hey, if uh, if the Fed does start cutting rates by the end of the year, if we are getting back to building all the infrastructure spending that's out there, um, a, a lot of those names like Caterpillar, that one was uh, was rocketing higher on the fact of, uh, you know, a, a, the debt ceiling deal being done, still looking to get uh, back to work and getting some people uh, bridges fixed, roads fixed, uh, all that type of stuff. So I thought that equipment was going to be uh, doing well uh, and Unfortunately, this one really rallied before um, I was able to put it out to a vote. So I think we were sitting at 205 when I was looking at it. Now we're at 235 on Caterpillar. So uh, the PE still makes sense for me. It's at a 17.3. You're still getting a good dividend on Caterpillar regardless, right? That that one was uh, one that kind of ran up a little too fast for me to throw it out to a vote. So I went with Rio Tinto for the industrial side of that business of uh, for all the, the building components, all the iron ore, steel, copper, um, aluminum, they're looking into lithium mining or uh, at least trying to do the research or uh, site visits to try to get the lithium mining really taking off. And uh, a, a lot of things here that I thought were going to be beneficial for this company. Uh, well, first up, the, the analyst research shows that we've got uh, about 49% upside on Rio Tinto. And... Uh, the, we're currently sitting at 64 bucks and uh, the average price target's around 96. So I thought that this one was going to have a, a good amount of upside. The story as to what's going on in the uh, economy right now, I thought uh, this could really have some great potential going forward. Uh, we've got a semi-annual dividend of about 7.6%. I do believe we decided that, or found out that that one was actually going to be cut for this next um, payment. I'm going to try to take a look at this one here on dividend.com before I get too far forward. Uh, really trying to cover a couple different uh, websites and, and things here as I'm explaining these this week. Um, Semi-annual payout ratio is a uh, 66.74%. We've got, um, I'm trying to see the, the payment itself. Anyhow, I believe that it was uh, going to be 
cut going forward. So this is going to be a variable rate dividend company, uh, currently paying about 7%, but I believe it's going to be almost cut in half at that next payment. So um, understand that that is not uh, strictly a safe dividend for retirement, but uh, it is a way to get in on some of the growth in the economy, also collecting a dividend. And when things kind of slow down, they, they probably up that dividend a little bit more to keep people interested uh, simply from what's going on in the economy. So uh, understand that that is what's going on here. And uh, this is actually going to be the one that we're going to be buying. I, it was the first one on my sheet, but uh, the first one we're buying also. So uh, number two was Disney. Again, uh, some problems with streaming. They were also fighting um, password sharing, but also the the cost of it all. It's just uh, a very uh, cash expensive business to get into and uh, trying to create all that content. But uh, I still think that Disney is a great company to invest in. Uh, I believe the sales growth on this one was about 22% over the next five years. Uh, so I definitely think that uh, Disney is uh, really being kind of left by the wayside right now where it really doesn't deserve to be. Yes, they've got some concerns, but I think they're going to get through it. Nike was number three. Uh, inventory concerns have uh, have really lifted. We've got uh, a growing company. Uh, I think that uh, the consumer spending is still very strong. And I think that this one should bounce back after we uh, get through some of these different fears on that recession side of things and people really get back out there uh, and start buying more product. I definitely think that that will happen and Nike should be safe after a lot of these trends in the economy kind of lift, right? So that was number three. Uh, Apollo Alto Networks was number four. And uh, this one made it this week because of the fact that they are being brought into the S&P 500. Now, Dish Network got kicked out. Uh, Palo Alto was uh, was bumped in. And uh, I still think that the, the buy side is going to be strong for them as, you know, hey, you're buying VOO. Hey, that means you're buying Palo Alto, right? Or you're buying the S&P 500, uh, an ETF or the index fund you're buying Palo Alto. So they're going to have more buy side coming in strictly from the fact that they are brought into that index. Uh, yes, and they're, they're a great company that does a lot of uh, cybersecurity. And uh, I mean, we've got buy ratings across the board from Tip Ranks, Morgan Stanley, Refinitiv, uh, Smart Consensus, Argus, Market Edge. Everyone says it's a buy. Um, just a solid company, a lot of cloud computing and uh, getting everything on one uh, access point, it seems like, to where everyone can access everything from one uh, one place. And uh, I, I definitely think that it is a, a great company that has got a lot of uh, a lot of upside left in this one. Um, just one that has a growth for years to come. The, the PE is stretched, but uh, it is certainly a growth company. Uh, currently, is about 10, 10% of upside, but it's had a decent bit of a run here this month with being brought into the S&P. Uh, number five was going to be GM. And a lot of that was uh, Mary Barra, the CEO, saying that they have tremendous amount of opportunities going forward in uh, EV. And now the fact that they're getting brought in on this Tesla deal, that even sweetened the pot a little bit more for me. Uh, the fact that they are going to be able to recharge these vehicles at multiple different stations that they, they could not before. Uh, I still think that GM is... Uh, a value out there amongst uh, other EV companies. I, I think they're still being priced as uh, a traditional company. They don't really have that growth opportunity in years past. It was kind of just kind of chug along. 
Uh, now I really see some ways for them to really uh, find some levers from, for growth going forward. So the PE is still really, really cheap at five and a half times, uh, a small quarterly dividend of 1%, but uh, definitely a stock that I think has some good upside potential going forward from here. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, Tesla is very comfortable going up against Ford and GM. I think that uh, they don't want to uh, allow some of the smaller companies. I, I'd be pretty surprised if they came out on Monday and said, hey, Rivian and Lucid and uh, you know whatever other small companies, yes, you can use our charging network too. Uh, I don't know that they want that uh, competition, but they're going to open up the doors and play nice with some of the big players and uh, really try to uh, drive that business for them going forward. So uh, I think that GM is going to be safe here. Uh, I think the fact of the the PE being at a five and a half times, I, I think that there's a lot of room for for upside on this one. And uh, what do the analysts say here? Let's take a look at that before we move on. Uh, about 30% of upside here on GM from uh, 11 different analysts in the past uh, three months. So now, uh, like I said, we are buying Rio Tinto. I'm definitely happy to get a uh, an industrial name that is going to be in uh, in basic materials, raw materials uh, into the mix in the portfolio. I definitely think that that is a great thing here. And uh, you know, I haven't even looked at this one, but um, let's take a look at what our Webull portfolio is doing. I think I think I've got good news for you. I think let's uh, let's see what we've got. Um, yeah, we are in the green now. It's been I don't know three days of in the green. We are at uh, plus. Uh, 1.01%. So I will take that green. It has been a long time coming. But uh, yeah, that's why we bought through all those dips in 22. We uh, continued to dollar cost average into this market. And uh, it was painful. It was very, very painful at times in uh, 22. But uh, now that we are you know, into this new bull market, uh, I think we've got uh, some room to run from here. We've definitely got some names that have taken off for us. Uh, Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, Google, all uh, top names. Broadcom's probably one of the uh, best performing names at being up 46.8%. Uh, AMD up 41%, NVIDIA 28%. Now, remind you, we bought that uh, first week of 22, and it proceeded to, to fall on its face from uh, 303 down to what? one. Let's take a look. I don't want to get this one wrong. Uh, NVIDIA... Where'd we go in the past year? Probably down around 150, maybe. Let's uh let's get back to the snapshot here and see what it actually hit. Uh no, no, way before, way below that. That's uh my memory's uh failing me here. 108 on October 13th. So this one man had a 60% down to now we're 30, 28% up. So I will take that uh, that turnaround, but uh hopefully uh when those values present themselves next time, we can average into nvidia a little bit further or even some of these other names but uh, yeah there's definitely some names here that have, have done well there's definitely some names that uh have yet to do anything for us they've just been uh very painful throughout uh an honest company is one of those down 75 percent uh that is probably our worst buy that we had for the the past year and a half at this point but nevertheless we're going to continue to go we're going to continue to try to find companies that uh, really work well for us. And you can uh, pick on which company we're going to be adding to that portfolio on the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. We do a weekly poll as to what name the group thinks that we should be buying to average into this uh, into this market and into this portfolio. So 
Uh, with that being said, for week 25, we are looking at uh, five names again. Uh, the first one is going to be Abbott Labs. Uh, you know, uh, Abbott and AbbVie, they they split uh, split that business. AbbVie is uh, the newer company. Abbott Labs is the uh, the old tried and true company. And um, man, they are uh, trading down over the past. Uh, let's take a look at the year to date. Uh, year to well, the high was back in January at 115, and now we're sitting at 101. So we're down roughly 15 percent, roughly give or take. And uh, a, a lot of that is on some of the COVID spend, right? They did a lot of things with testing. Um, it says a substantial drop in demand for coronavirus diagnostic products. Uh, their sales slumped 18.1% to $9.7 billion. Uh, so uh, they, they still have a, a lot of things that are working well for them. Their uh, Q1, I believe it was. Let me scroll down and see if I can't get this number. Um uh, I'm not seeing the exact number, but I believe that their sales X coronavirus products was up something like 10% in Q1. So there's a lot of different long-term growth opportunities that are here. They've got new medical devices that are going to be coming up. Uh, they are a leader in continuous glucose monitoring, thanks to that uh, the, the Freestyle Libre uh, brand that they've got. They've got a lot in the way of uh, medical devices, but also uh, protein drinks and things like that, that they are continually looking to increase their uh, nutritional products, uh, diagnostic products, uh, and pharmaceutical stuff. So uh, the fact that they are down that much, I, I understand that it's on coronavirus problems. I get the fact that it's uh, you know catching some, some concerns over that. But uh, this is a company, uh, I want to get back over to Dividend.com. That, uh, that is one of the things here that I think a lot of people are forgetting. This one is a Dividend King. Uh, they have increased this dividend for 51 years, 51. And uh, their payout ratio is at 44%. That is well in that comfort zone for me. Anything under 60, I believe, is very comfortable. Uh, some companies pay a little bit more. But uh, this one is showing us that they are rewarding us for being a long-term investor by paying us more in the way of dividends. It's currently sitting at a 2% yield, uh, about or $2.04. Uh, dividend payment, and uh, one that I think deserves to be treated a little bit better. Uh, yes, the sales went down on those uh, coronavirus diagnostic things, but they've got a lot of other business. They have been paying us more and more for 51 years, and uh, I feel like this drop is not uh, really recognizing the fact that uh, this is a, a solid company. Uh, we had some baby formula problems in a like a year ago that uh, I think we're getting through that. I haven't heard anything about that, but uh, I got to imagine that that is getting better. And uh, just a company that I think is going to continue to do well for years to come. It's not going to be the fastest growing, but uh, I think it's going to be a company that we are very comfortable in owning. Uh, and especially the fact that we're getting it at a, a lower cost base uh, cost base versus where we were earlier this year. We've got around 21% of upside, 2% dividend yield. We're trading lower. Our, uh, our PE sitting at 30. Uh, I'd have to pull up the Reuters report to see how that actually looks uh, compared to where they are historically. Uh, I can do that. I just got to do that on my phone. I can't pull it up on the 
on the actual E-Trade website for some reason. It always gives me a hard time. So let me uh, let me swing over to that real quick and uh, sign in. We'll pull up ABT as the ticker if I didn't mention that, ABT. And uh, let's take a look at the analyst research and go through Reuters. Uh, I will scroll down real quick and see what we've got. Uh, we've got, uh, like I said, their annual revenue is dropping this year based off of uh, those coronavirus concerns. We're at an 11% discount on price to sales, 36% discount on trailing PE, and a 10% discount on forward PE. Their forward is only a 22. So that is a, that is a discount across the board. Uh, and like I said, we've got uh, sales that are slowing, but we know why. And uh, I think a lot of these businesses that they do have are very strong. So that is number one for the week, ABT Abbott Labs. Uh, number two is going to be in that pharmaceutical space also. And they are also going to be a dividend king. Can you can you sense the theme here? Uh, so that number two name is going to be Johnson & Johnson. Uh, so we've had a lot of, lot of lawsuits here, right? I'm not going to sugarcoat that. We had the talc powder. We had the hearing protection cases. We've had a lot of different... Well, is that one even Johnson & Johnson? Now I'm getting the names confused. I know the talc powder was them. I'd, I'd have to look. No, the 3M was the, the hearing. Sorry. Uh, but I know there's a lot of other concerns with the legal side of Johnson and Johnson. So that is still uh, a, a dark cloud. But uh, I believe once that is lifted, uh, we're going to see this one really rebound strong. Uh, they do have a strong balance sheet. There's enough uh, financial resources to manage these problems. Uh, we've also got uh, the company is, is really looking to evolve. They spun off their uh, consumer health division into a standalone company. Uh, they've got the medical device business. Uh, growing with uh, through acquisition. And uh, I think that that is going to help uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, both uh, enrich their revenue and their earnings. Uh, so again, we've got uh, we've got some problems, right? And I think that gives us uh, a way to get into some of these companies when there is some blood in the streets. That's when you kind of want to invest in some of these names. So their quarterly dividends around 3%, right? Where our PE is a little bit higher at uh, about 33 uh, but it is a low volatility name with a beta of 0.4. So we've got uh, their their share price coming down from around 180 at the start of the year. We were at 183 last June. We're at 160 right now. So we do have a discount as to where they've been trading, uh, again, through a lot of legal problems. And uh, they, they are looking to grow. They do have the money. They, they've acquired the right businesses. They spun off the ones that weren't working. And uh, I think that this company is going to really rebound. They, they've got a strong uh, management, and uh, I, I do believe that they are going to move higher. So we've got about 13% of upside. We've got that 3% dividend yield. And a company that, uh, if I get back over to dividend.com, I'm, I'm trying to navigate too much here, too many screens going. Uh, if I look at J&J, &J, uh, as I said, they are a dividend king. Uh, and that means more than 52 years of dividend increases. And this one is at 62 years of dividend increases. That is uh, that is massive as far as what we're looking for as a company that we can look to invest in and have that, uh, that dividend really increase with us over time. So, uh, you know, we're buying now. We're getting about $4.76 in dividend payments. And uh, that is going to continue to increase uh, over the next, uh, however many years we plan to hold this one. That is, that is what their history is showing. It's a, 
you know, always going to happen that way. No, but uh, history often repeats itself. Uh, so I think that they are fully concerned about this uh, this dividend payment. That is one of the ways that they reward their investors for holding on to this name for so long. And uh, you're also getting a company that uh, kind of continually looks to increase uh, their payments and their their share price. So looking for a lot of different ways to grow uh, and be rewarding for us simply purchasing this name, uh, purchasing this name. So number two, uh, J&J, Johnson & Johnson. Number three, uh, this one is actually one we bought week 25 of last year. And I had to take a, a little bit of a look here to see what was going on with this one. And uh, man, if you remember what we were buying week 25 last year, man, more more credit to you. We've got uh, Kroger. The, the ticker is KR. And we were looking at this one last year because they were looking to buy uh, another grocery store chain called Albertsons, right? And that name uh, or that deal is still on the table. Uh, I had to do a little bit of digging um, on the, the Kroger and Albertsons website. And uh, there, there's still a lot of push to get this deal done. Uh, I know that a couple of unions really kind of opposed it because they thought that uh, we're going to be losing frontline workers. Uh, Kroger and Albertsons says no effect to frontline workers. I'm sure they're going to trim management where they can to have a, a little bit more, um, you know, oversight from all these stores and divide it into territories, cut out some of the management level. But uh, overall, I think that this could be a very strong deal. Um, you know, they're still going to be uh, a number two to, I believe, Walmart uh, as far as the grocery delivery in that uh, that area. And they're really trying to look forward into the online carts and delivery and everything else that everyone's really trying to do. They really want to streamline a lot of that business. So I still think that it has a, a good chance of passing. And um, uh, man, even if it doesn't, I still think that Kroger is a solid company. Uh, through a lot of the the price inflation on food, uh, I know not all of it makes it to the bottom line, especially with the cost of labor and shipping and, and every other cost that they've had to deal with in the past uh, two years. But uh, I believe that Kroger is still a strong company. We've got about 26.5% of upside on ticker KR. We've got uh, about 2.27% of dividends. We, our PE is sitting at 14.9. So I'm pretty comfortable with that. The beta is only a 0.3%. So a, a lot of different things here that point to the fact that uh, Kroger could be a solid company to go ahead and invest in now. Uh, and if this deal does go through, we should see uh, you know some more uh, price uh, upside appreciation here. We've got a company here that has raised this dividend for 16 years. Their payout ratio is remarkably low at 23%. And uh, they're paying more than other companies in the uh, consumer staples uh, sector, right? That average is 1.89. We're getting 2.25% here from Kroger. And uh, they've also got this deal in the works that I think is going to uh, really take them to, to that next level as being that number two grocery provider in the US. So uh, for those reasons, uh, pretty much the same reasons I was looking at last year for Kroger, I do believe that this one should move higher, especially if this deal gets passed. Uh, so that was number three. Now, uh, number four, this one I have never once looked at until today. Uh, so I'm trying to uh, take a little bit of other people's. Uh, it, well, this wasn't really even other people's. This is off of a website. Uh, what was the website that was pushing this one? Uh, and now that I now that I'm pulling or trying to find it, I can't. I can't find it. But uh, this name, let me just go ahead. the The ticker is uh, L A Z R Luminar 
uh, is the company. And uh, a couple things that caught uh, my eye here, right? Well, one, the the fact that uh, they are doing LiDAR in cars and in EVs and trying to get into that self-driving autonomy, I, I think that that is a, an area that really hasn't been fully tapped yet. I know a lot of people have uh, demand for it, but this one really hasn't come to uh, fruition yet. So I think it is an up and coming company. They are in contracts with Volvo. They're in contracts with Xpeng, uh, the Chinese EV maker. And uh, I believe that this one has uh, some real growth potential around it. And uh, like I said, I have not really uh, dove into this one too much. I believe it was an investor place. Um, I think it was an investor place article that I was looking at here that said uh, that that ticker LAZR had a lot of uh, room to run and uh, really is in the right spot at the right time. So I was looking at this one based off of that uh, recommendation. And um, also the fact that I think that a lot of the charging companies are just not safe right now. So I was trying to get EV. I didn't want to go into charging. Uh, we are simply, you know, we're buying Rio Tinto right now for uh, the the lithium for some of those material sides of things. So I thought maybe this one and having uh, that LiDAR technology could be a good way to get into that. The fact that they already have the contracts with Volvo, uh, I, I think that is a very strong point. If uh, Volvo is willing to put their products in, I mean, Volvo pr prides themselves on safety. So you got to know that it's been tested if, if Volvo is putting it in there. I, I don't think that this is an oversight. If, uh, if you know, Volvo is picking this one, there's got to be a good reason for it. So um, and maybe that's naive of me, but uh, I, I believe that uh, they they do their homework before they just simply put new products in their cars. So uh, LAZR, let me go ahead and pull this one back up. I believe we had a substantial amount of upside on this one. I want to say it was in the uh, the seventy percent range as far as what was out there. Uh, we've got uh, a stock price sitting at six fifty. Uh, believe that this uh, this price target was uh, somewhere in the $11 range. Let me get back to that. We've got an average price target from 11 analysts at $1,160. So that is about 73% of uh, price side or price target upside on, on ticker LAZR. So again, I like the business. I like the growth aspects. The earnings per share are coming way up. The annual revenue, uh, we've got forecasted growth in 2023 of 113%. And, and get this, by the end of 2024, forecasted growth, 572% growth on annual revenue. So this one could potentially uh, in increase that revenue five times by the end of next year. Uh, that is absolutely massive. So they are strictly a growth company. This is a speculative play. Uh, I'm not saying I would, I'm betting the farm on this one, but I do not mind. If you guys want to see some more growth into this portfolio, I think that this could be a good way to do that. Uh, so uh, again, uh, it is not your your typical dividend company. It's not your typical you know undervalued name, even though I do believe it to be undervalued. Uh, it is not that large cap undervalued safe name. I think there's a lot more risk buying into a company like this, a lot more speculative uh, aspect of what I'm looking at here. But I do believe that it is a uh, a, a real potential winner going forward. Uh, so that is number four. Uh, Luminar is the, uh, the name. The ticker is L-A-Z-R. Uh, now, 
This is another one that was on that same list that I thought, you know, this this could work. Uh, it's a name that really surged through the pandemic and uh, has has kind of traded down, even though their sales are growing. And that name is Etsy. And we, I don't, I don't think we've ever, we might have looked at Etsy in the the past. Uh, I don't know, 70, 80 different uh, investing challenge purchases we've had, but uh, we do not own this one. So. When I'm looking at Etsy, we had a, a slowdown after the pandemic. They do a lot of different personalization. So Amazon's still going to be the uh, the juggernaut in the space. But I really believe that Etsy uh, has really traded down, even though their sales continue to increase. So uh, in that way, uh, when I'm looking at... Uh, uh, well, first up, I'm looking at the chart, right? We're we're coming down from about $150 uh, on February the third, and now we're sitting at 91. So we've uh, we've been crushed on this one, over 30% down uh, in that short time. We were up 4% on Friday, uh, and I think that this one with uh, with people actually realizing that uh, you know this is a little bit unjust as to what's going on here. We've got about 30% of upside, and uh, it's a it, it's another risky name in in some ways, but uh, they do have a lot of growth, even though uh, some of the people that are really following this one haven't really seen uh, the numbers on it, I don't believe. I think this has just been the, the fashion show of Wall Street selling this one off because it's a growth. Sorry, I got cut off there. It's a growth stock where I don't think that Wall Street really is looking for growth right now. They're really looking for companies that have a, uh, a strong track record of performing uh, through a recession, through a, a lot of different problems. And this one really doesn't have that history yet. So I'm looking on investorplace.com uh, and it's saying that uh, their, their e-commerce growth has stagnated, but sales are still growing. We've got, uh, uh, according to Globus, e-commerce sales uh, as a percentage of retail sales will almost double by 2030. Uh, and that uh, investors can bet on Etsy for the long run, even if the near-term environment is shaky. Uh, so uh, Etsy still has a profitable business, profitable business with a hefty cash balance. It has industry-leading operation uh, margins, and guru-focused model indicates a fair value of 300 by the year 2026. So uh, again, I still think it's a, a strong business that's going through a shaky time, and uh, ultimately. Uh, they are going to be a, a real competitor going forward. And I don't think that anyone does the personalization of uh, gift items as well as what Etsy is capable of doing. So uh, again, that's the, the five I got for you this week. We've got uh, number one was Abbott Labs, ABT. We've got number two, Johnson & Johnson, J&J. &J. Number three, uh, Kroger, KR. Number four was Luminar, ticker LAZR. And number five was Etsy, E-T-S-Y. So uh, you'll see we had uh, some dividend kings that have sold off on some uh, some some real concerns, but I, I think that uh, that business will bounce back. We had KR Kroger that is looking to buy Albertsons, and I think that should definitely generate a lot of growth opportunity for Kroger. And if it doesn't happen, you're still in a a solid company with a a, a decent dividend that is going to uh, offer some real growth going forward. And uh, the fact that management's really looking to grow. I think if this deal doesn't happen, they're going to be looking for other deals out there. We've got uh, Laser uh, or Luminar, which is in that LiDAR space that is really looking to grow uh, that business through contracts with other automotive makers. 
And uh, we've got Etsy, that personalization company that has sold off through some, uh, you know, end of COVID era, uh, real sell-off, similar to what Zoom and Teladoc are going through. And now I think a lot of people are realizing that they are still great companies, but uh, simply that it was at the wrong time for them. So uh, those are the five I got. Please get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook to get your vote in for which one that we will be buying next Monday. And this Monday, we are buying Rio Tinto, uh, that uh, mining company that I believe should do well with a lot of the growth story that could potentially be coming at the end of this year as people get back to building. Uh, so that uh, is the five I got. That's what I've got for you guys this week. If you got any questions for me, uh, if you want some coaching, uh, feel free to reach out. I'll do my best to help you guys out where I can uh, to get you on that path to financial freedom. So thank you very much for stopping by. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.